0: Origins Of is a podcast about ancient wisdom, crazy myths, everyday objects, and overall, the creativity and innovation of early man. Join Jesse and Olivia as we delve into the why behind everyday origins. I'm Olivia. And I'm Jesse. And today's episode is about a big
1: topic. We are doing a really big topic Really, really big, really hard. We are going to tackle the origins of... Restaurants and bars. Something that everybody goes to yes. all the time. Yes. And they're very old and their origins are going to be quite nebulous and we will have a hard time nailing this down, but it's <laughs> going to be a good topic. Um, we were kind of thinking about things you do, holidays, but not This isn't explicitly holidays-related, but it is people get together over drinks and food, right? And so we wanted to sort of tackle what are the origins of that Mm -hmm. area. And so that's what leads us to today.
0: and shout-out to actually um, my boyfriend's Adrian, his sister, Christina. She was actually at the dinner table, and she listened to our podcast, and she's like, you know, restaurants would be a great one because... Why do I get in my car and go somewhere where someone else serves me food? Right, um, right. Super interesting concept. And I said, "Oh, yes, that's a, such a great idea." And I yeah. love eating out. Like I love going to restaurants. Yes, and I think that's a super awesome. But the
1: whole ritual is really is really um, wonderful. And yes, makes you feel great.
0: So. And then when thinking about the counterpart, because that's what our podcast is about, mm-hmm. is duos, um, origin duos, where I will read one and then Jesse reads one. And we react to each of the um, origins. Yeah. In
1: case you guys didn't know, that's the premise of our podcast (laughs) is we don't actually know what the other person is going to say. I mean, we know the topic, but I don't research hers and she doesn't research mine, so... Mm -hmm.
0: Yep, we're going in this totally like you guys. I'm learning everything for the first time, just like you guys are. Except
1: maybe for today's episode, because it's mm-hmm. so interrelated.
0: Right. Though I we kind of spoke a little bit beforehand um, off air, but we are going to make sure that we do specifics to each of restaurant and bar and not necessarily the, the ancient, ancient origins kind of getting into the more modern like why we do it today
1: right like as olivia said okay i know there are bars but like when did bartenders become a thing right. when you knew so
0: when gonna, did my delicious cocktails become we're gonna winded, go yeah.
1: we're gonna go down that road we're gonna do it yes Let's
0: do it so jesse's gonna start us off
1: all right so i'm gonna start off with bars which if you <clears throat> uh search research this it, it immediately is poses a problem because they haven't always been called that so you you know you have to go back even further um you you would go to the pub or the tavern
0: oh yes yes okay i thought you were about to say something crazier no (laughs) (laughs) yes
1: Um, so i actually found that the encyclopedia britannica article on taverns was quite extensive and really had some great information in it so shout out to them because some (laughs) of the entries are pretty short but this one was Lengthy, I think, uh, mirroring our admiration for taverns and pubs, and that would be that in ancient Greece, the leche local club serving meals to strangers as well as local members, was a thing. I um, probably did an awful job pronouncing the Greek, but um, pretty much the concept of a really of a place serving people who are traveling is kind of the. F- the, the brunt of the origins of restaurants yes. and bars and restaurant, yeah both so, so if
0: you're not in your hometown you,
1: you have to have somewhere to, to stay eat mm-hmm. sleep drink those things um maybe even meet with a person that you're trying to do <laughs> business with or right. what have you um so pretty much it's been around since people started traveling uh, in some way or another. Now, obviously, there was for a l- really long time, people would just welcome people into their homes. Mm-hmm. But as we'll get to, that started to, you know, become a burden. <laughs> yes. So, um, so in the fifth century BCE, there, which would have been about, f- oh no, 400. Yes. Like the, the 400s 400th BCE. Yes. Um, there were Greek fetni. Which served local and transient clientele of traders, envoys, and government officials. Might also include merchants and pilgrims, but basically there was, you know, there was a an industry of um, basically a entity that would serve you as a stranger on the road. Then in ancient Rome. Um, in ancient Rome, men of any social standing were not to be seen in a tavern, actually. So oh, when we wow. start to have these, uh, you you wouldn't want to be seen there because it was associated with, you know, things like drinking and gambling. However, there were always side street veiled establishments for all of this stuff to go on anyway. So basically the concept of a speakeasy is really, really old because if it was seen as any type of, you know, social faux pas to go to a tavern, Men were still going to town yeah, and drinking. There's just something, you know, go to the third door and say the password. You know, it was it was happening even in ancient Rome.
0: Interesting. So yeah, mm-hmm.
1: the hostelries, um,
0: well, which is another mm-hmm, another kind
1: of thing um, of of ancient Roman England, were derived from this same pr- premise. So if you think about ancient Rome, okay, and then Rome people Romans go and invade England. Um, they basically brought what were considered um, the tabernae, which is basically was a wine shop,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so they brought the concept of a tabernae where you would go and get your drink um, along roads in about forty three A.D. So the Romans go over to England; they have this concept of the tabernae. is forty three A.D. However, the British didn't drink wine; they drank ale, so they quickly formed these shops to be more of the local custom. Therefore there were things like ale houses, uh, and taverns mm-hmm. there. There you go. Yeah. So if you think about it goes from the Romans to England and definitely, definitely taverns and pubs have a very British and UK connotation. Right. Definitely. So if you think about like the British pub, right. And the Irish pub, Absolutely. Modern pubs stemming from England.
0: Right. And alcohol is like such a big part of culture. So it makes sense that people are going to come together. Take it with them, come together,
1: change it if it needs to be changed based Mm -hmm. on the culture.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've done a podcast on the origins of wine and beer. It was one of our first three. So Mm -hmm. definitely Mm -hmm. check that out um, because it really does speak to... How prevalent those are in culture, and those are really, really, really old. So by yes. this point, it makes complete sense that people were gathering to take their drink.
1: Absolutely, kind of if if you if you are a human, you're right, you're basically <laughs> are gonna ferment something and drink it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's what we established in the beer and wine episode, uh, and it's this is basically just the concept of just taking that and and furthering it to sort of a um, environment where you might do that t- together as mm-hmm. a. Um, Fellowship, right? So we've—that's basically the origin of the tavern. So now we are solidly in England and the English realm, where the public house became a thing. Oh yeah. So pub is short for public house. What? There you oh, go. Why
0: does it make so much it sense? It makes so much. sense. I, I thought sense. it was short for—I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was short that's for. That's the
1: thing is, I think if you at word, I just ask somebody, what does pub like? What does pub mean? What does that word actually mean? I do. <sighs> you wouldn't uh, know
0: no i would have guessed it was some kind of cool latin greek <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> Publicus. yes and yes. yes. now you're telling me it just stands for public house like uh-huh. okay mean, uh-huh. okay, that's really cool
1: but i think it is yeah so oh, um man. the public house was a place where you alcohol was consumed on the premise um premises but here's the cool thing english common law quote early imposed social responsibilities for the well-being of travelers upon the inns and taverns, declaring them to be public houses which must receive all travelers in reasonable condition who were willing to pay the price for food, drink, and lodging, unquote. So that is literally um, British common law saying, hey, a public house is a place where you serve everybody who's traveling through, who's willing to pay for it as long as they are, quote, in reasonable condition.
0: Yeah, <laughs> So that's pretty cool. Have you seen, because um, a couple of these that come to my mind, I just mm-hmm. have to reference pop culture. Les Miserables is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole song about them kind of being swindling yes. people that come from out of town. Uh, and then I just lost my other one, and I was going to reference Game of Thrones because that's kind of my only, with no spoilers. Stopping over. Um, the, yeah, yeah they, the they're always yeah. kind of in between, in between. Mm-hmm. These, these pubs, and you kind of see, but they're always kind of grungy.
1: Well, I think, I mean, I think definitely these travelers were not pristine either. But I think as long as you were in a decent amount of yeah. condition, I mean, I'm sure by the standard of the day, everyone was probably a little bit grungy. But, oh, yeah. you know, it, I, I think cool. what that means, too, is like as long as someone's not trying to swindle you or they're not trying to get one over on you or, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. as long as they seem like a decent person, you know, then you were obligated to serve them as yeah. a traveler.
0: Absolutely.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they obviously, taverns and tavern keeping paralleled the growth of travel and trade throughout the world, right? So it goes out saying that the longer we've been around and the types of travel we invent, you know, methods to get places faster, there are more and more travelers. So therefore, you had to really have this industry of you weren't eating in your home and you needed somewhere else to go. so by the 1800s, public houses were socially superior to ale houses, beer houses and gin shops. So if you think of a beer house or a gin shop, it would probably be a little bit seedier of a place mm-hmm. um versus a public house which you might actually, you know,
0: take your daughters. Right, house like house. bring a kid occasionally.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's not explicitly said, but I and mean, as long as you were, you know, it's a place where you might also find something to eat or a place to stay yeah, versus just stabbed. a gin shop where you're going to you know knock a you
0: back
1: <laughs> just you know um and so actually because of this though the all of all of them throughout time which this is surprising to no one ale houses in taverns um pretty much collectively became known as public houses and then simply pubs around the reign of king henry the seventh um and then um by the sixteen, seventeen hundreds, 1700s there was the, there were the imports of a lot of different cheap brandy and gin um, coming from France and um
0: Belgium probably I all over making, right? yeah, yeah where
1: they were they were importing a lot of these cheap liquors and so it caused a lot of the pubs to get really out of hand so we go from having this period where it's a Place where they would keep travelers to a little bit of an unruly p- period in history, and so in 1736 and 1751, they had issued two different gin acts um, to bring some order uh, back to oh the public houses. Oh my gosh! To the pubs, so that you could, um, yeah, so that you could actually go there and enjoy yourself and not be scared
0: yeah let's mark this on my list of places that I don't want to go back to in time I like yeah. order <laughs> I, I like going into a place and having a place to see and not fearing for my life uh-huh. or <laughs> getting uh-huh. trampled or I'm definitely just gonna cross yeah this, one this is off the list. Th-
1: that I sort of that I sort of um, because that's if you think about it, that's going to be in England and that th- th- and um british empire i definitely consider that an era of um similar to our like the wild west where there's just, <laughs> just like in a saloon Alcohol everywhere gross and it's grungy <laughs> and people are drunk and they're fighting and you know just sort of unruliness and so then after the gen x it became sort of much more
0: unruliness.
1: okay we're going to bring order back um, but then after that also especially in england again we're talking about um pubs um the social structure became part of pubs. And so it became very important. Um, They would actually even split a lot of pubs into rooms, into smaller rooms. And it was so that, men of specific social classes would stay together, Aww, Okay. which is a super English thing. Like
0: <laughs> I'm over here like everybody should get along. But uh, yeah, it makes sense.
1: Well, and it didn't always stay that way, obviously. And we'll get into a little bit of why, why where they were different. But it's funny because I do think if you go into European bars, I, I definitely was in some when I was just traveling in Ireland that were All of these sort of rooms stacked on rooms stacked on rooms. And that could have been, I thought, I assumed it was just because the buildings were narrow and they go up and up and up and back and back and back. But also they were definitely, I mean, if you think about it, some of those rooms, they could have been broken down walls and they just weren't. There was a clear wall between one room and the other where you would walk through. And um, Hmm. I think some of that came from the social... Class separations oh, that man. they had, which is crazy. We
0: should have done this one before you went to Ireland. You could have <laughs> been more gone aware. There, I'd be like, did you know?
1: But I have a memory of it, so it's 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 yes. cool to yeah. just go back and be like, oh,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see why th-
1: I see why that was. Um, so they uh, taverns also obviously people are going to get their drink on. So almost as soon as there were people in America um, th- from Europe who had all these businesses, they're like, yeah, we need to start these up here too. So the same tradition picks up here as well. Um, in the U S um, you're going to have, uh, taverns in New York, which was, which was the Dutch, which used Mm -hmm. to be new Amsterdam. Um, so in New York you're going to open them. And actually we talked about it a little bit in the episode about mail and email. When we go back to eras of rebellion and that people were using the mail as a form of method of, um, um rebellion and yeah, communication like passing communication mm-hmm. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Definitely also the public house or the tavern being a p- place where people would get together and talk about some of these things. So when we um when the c- c- uh, colonists were under British rule, um they were actually kind of ta- taverns and pubs were definitely monitored by people who were giving information back to the Ooh. british so you know kind of had to be really careful and they were actually sort of a, almost a little bit official just like they were you know the your tavern keeper might also be your postmaster has kind of an official position but so they have they have a long history in in that mm-hmm. same kind of sense too which is really cool um so yes so now let's talk a little bit about pubs and bars in america so you've got this history going back to the romans We've got then a tried and true culture of them in England and in the British realm. Um, But then once they're over here, um, they take a little bit of a turn, um, most notably because um, we didn't have the same class barriers. We did have them, but they weren't nearly as rigid. Americans kind of prided themselves on being like not British. Like, hey, we don't have those. Right social structures they were doing everything different they wanted to be different and so for that reason bars and um pubs and you know pubs and taverns became much more democratic you know you might actually be drinking alongside your boss or your subordinate and it was not considered you know um weird Weird. yeah (laughs) you were allowed to do it so no better way of saying that, um, which is really cool. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the evolution. One really cool thing to note is that um, in New York, um, Governor
0: Our New York Kift,
1: now. Yes, our New York. Um, Governor Kift uh, stated he was tired of entertaining strangers and travelers in his own home and thus opened a tavern to lodge and feed them. And so the building, um, the building that he started, became New Amsterdam, later New York's uh, city hall, and was used for that purpose until about 1700, when a new city hall was built. Um, that is also from the Encyclopedia Britannica which had like I said a pretty long history wow. about this but yeah, how cool is that that, is that really cool. it's almost so entwined with workings of early governance and and that but not only that but I thought it was really funny where he was like yeah I'm tired of actually hosting these strangers in my house but I'm, I'm
0: not gonna say no
1: really just like to you know have a separate entity where I could house them huh uh, yeah keep them and feed them and just not have them up in my business. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's that's a cool thing. <sighs> Side note, I mentioned that I'd gone to Ireland. So, I know <laughs> I've skipped back uh, slightly. But it was really funny when I was doing research for this. It came up. Um, one of the things that came up on a website, I believe, ancientorigins.net, which is one that tends mm-hmm. to come up in our oh, yeah. searching. Definitely. Uh, when we're looking. So, But Ancient Origins, which is hilarious, had this article about... Uh, Sean's bar um which our producer might recognize because we literally went there when we were oh, in cool. Ireland and there was this um I mean we just I found it because it was Google searching what we were near because we were in Alton Ireland which was just partway between where we were going and where where we had come from and so we stopped off for a visit to a castle it was a rainy day went to a castle uh, happened to see that on Google Maps just around the corner <laughs> on the River Shannon was this Bar that was supposedly the oldest pub in Ireland. They also claim to be the oldest pub in Europe. And wow. they're trying to be claimed as, like, they're trying to get the validation of being the oldest pub in the world.
0: And you guys went there.
1: And we went there. <laughs> and what? It's called Sean's Bar. That's crazy. And it dates to 900 AD. Though we, wow. we were kind of trying to break down the. Um, why it could be like hold that name because it's not under the same ownership but it's really just the same physical building and oh
0: that's a that's a thing they
1: had um and even the part that of the building that they had that was original was like behind glass and kind of like here's this old part of the building but it was like falling apart you know what i mean from 900 a.d <laughs> So, but it is, you know, it holds like Guinness Book of Records calls yeah. it the oldest pub in Ireland. Now the other two claims they're trying to go for oldest pub in Europe, oldest pub in the world. I think more people have to still get on board with them, but it was still really fun that we happened to go there really and then cool. it showed up in this article and I was like,
0: like, yes, okay. Yes. Yeah. So I have another sidebar to your sidebar Absolutely. about this bar. This <laughs> has nothing to do with that about our topic, but you said, you know, is it, it, would it still be considered um, yes. the same bar? Okay, here's my thing about I that. I want to know. Have you heard that philosophy about you start with the hatchet, then you go to the car, and then you go to the people? Mm-mm. Okay, so you have a hatchet or a hammer. Let's do a hammer. It's easier. You have a hammer, right? <laughs> Is it easy? <easier>? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Depends know. what you're trying uh, to do, I guess. Okay, you have a hammer, right? And it's your hammer, and you bought it. And then the little metal piece falls off, and you put a new metal piece back on it, right? Uh, yeah. And then the handle falls off, and you put a new handle on it. It's not even the same. Is, is it though? Like, I right, mean, is not it? It's it? still mine. So that was pretty simple. And I would say, and they okay. did
1: overlap. <clears throat> right. The materials.
0: So that one I say, no, not the same. You you have a new one now. Let's go to a car. You have a car, right? The wheels mm-hmm. fall off. You put on new wheels. The frame gets dented. They put in a new frame. The doors fall off. They put the doors back on. You see where I'm going. All the pieces of the car right, fall off, fall off, fall off, fall off. But it's, it's over 10 years. So at the end of the 10 years, do you still have the same car?
1: Yes, because cars have VIN numbers. <laughs> so it's still have the same VIN okay, number. Okay, so it's
0: that number that is placed. Uh-huh. So what if my hammer had a VIN number? Then I think it would be the same hammer. <laughs>
1: like if it's still registered as right. XYZ. And that's a total trapping of modernity. Where I we're know. like, Oh, well, it has this number associated you with have, it. So yeah. it's legit. Yeah. We didn't have that back then. So they couldn't like, no, but you know, put a, you know, a, a, um, Put a claim into the city hall to say we are a bar. We started yeah. this year.
0: You know, they, yeah, they don't go back there. But far, I but love that thought experiment really cool. because it goes mm-hmm. of the people because we all all of ourselves. Our gene, like our, our um, mm-hmm. our
1: skin cells, we're always like regenerating. Yeah. so yeah. technically, physically, that's where my brain went.
0: Yeah, yes, yes, awesome. That's where it's supposed to go. It's a th- it's a thought experiment. So physically, I am not the same person that I was when I was born like it's it would be impossible all of me even your nerves regenerate I think it's like yeah. once every seven years or something like that that's but. why we
1: age right because we get worse and worse at regenerating yes
0: ourselves. bonus fat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like we're just like slowly not producing as right. much of what we need to to stay like
0: right active so in my opinion on the bar <laughs> to go back to our topic is it? it's the same but if you say that the hammer is not the same hammer but the car and the person are the same I think the bar is the same. Even if it's been new, even if you've replaced the fixtures and replaced things. Yeah. The spirit of it. And it's been it, a working uh, bar,
1: yeah. even if it wasn't run by the same Man. people. It's still like, yeah.
0: You guys I, know you are getting philosophy I on, think. on this podcast today. <laughs>
1: you have to talk about philosophy when you talk about origin. Yeah, and it's, a lot it's of this is going it's, to happen. It's,
0: yeah, I mean, because I have an oldest thing in my thing, too. I have, I have an oldest restaurant Yay. in my notes. And so yeah. you, Of
1: course, yes. right. Because yeah. people love to claim that they are. Right.
0: And there's a couple of others. Yeah, they've been around a little most, bit of controversy. the most
1: longest.
0: Right. That's so, exciting. I do yeah. think it's, I mean, the, people stood there. I think it's, that's the importance to me is that people in not, you said 900 there? AD.
1: They poured a beer?
0: Yeah. An ale? Gosh, there's just, a, you know, kinship through the ages. Like mm-hmm. just thinking that there's a 900 AD person that is drinking a beer. And now I'm sitting here drinking a beer. Even and though it, I wasn't there, but right, you were there. right, and
1: beer has changed a little bit, but right, I, I th- awesome. The, I mean, it was, and it was a cozy place. It was, it felt you go in and there's a little fireplace, and yeah. Side note, they were um, heating it with peat, oh, huh. which is a thing that you do in Ireland that we learned. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, right. anyway, you- that was a super super sidebar note, but it did come in my research and. Um, It thought it was really cool that we had been there. But um, back to America. Let's jump across the Atlantic for a second and talk a little bit about bars in America. So I mentioned that they were centers of political planning sessions during the revolution. I mentioned that we did not have the same class structure as the pubs in England might have um, but also notably the same kind of um, bougie culture that would be associated with coffee houses in Paris and London um, too so that was it was notably that we didn't have that as a you know in a in a in a bar in America you could go in and it was pretty democratic you know people were willing to talk it wasn't sort of a place where you only discussed philosophy and art, right? like a coffee house might be. Um, You could just go there and have a drink. Um, Also, early laws in the U.S. required bartenders to charge the same prices. So it was definitely a place where you were all paying the same price, no matter um, how much Hmm. you made, which is really cool. Um, So that leads me to my final really cool area of the history of these, which is the cocktail bars.
0: Yes!
1: Because... (laughs) Cocktail bars are totally American.
0: What? Don't tell me that. I mean, really? they
1: spread all over the world, but cocktail bars, like the co- concept of a cocktail in a bar where you would go and you mix a fancy drink, totally an American thing. And way. that's like actually the one thing that historians can agree on because they can't agree on the origin of the name of the word cocktail or like when it came into use, but they can agree that it is an american thing
0: oh man which
1: is great we own cocktails
0: ah i love cocktails. i love cocktails and yeah. we talked what's funny about in the wine and beer episode we started it and i was <laughs> like i don't really like either i, I love a good cocktail yes. i they're delicious they have that you can get fruits and well that's the thing is you get and, if it's
1: a good cocktail you get all of the um complimentary flavors you yes. get a little bit of bitter you get the sweet you get the the um citrus
0: the you know mint sometimes them. get it's different liquors well balanced yeah and i can yeah. always taste the difference in cocktails and i sometimes with wine and beer i'm like no, all IPAs taste the same oh yeah. i said it i said it to me and then wine as they well don't all, i just right, i can see right. how
1: if you didn't really like them you'd be like well it's just your the palate, same flavor that i hate
0: right yeah. if you if your palate hasn't been refined enough because that's a thing Mm-hmm. Is your, your palate like you actually do have one and it it will define the more you eat something, the more your brain can For disting, sure. can distinguish the flavor. So, since I haven't had enough IPAs, they do taste all the same to me. The same with coffee. If you're not a coffee person, they're not gonna pick up the notes, but a cocktail
1: the cocktail, berry.
0: you can tell a difference. Like, if it's got mint in sure. it, you know it's got mint in it. Like,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's like the whole subset of herby cocktails which have yeah. specific flavors. Yes. Yeah, so I'm yeah, very passionate, it's really cool. I'm actually, very excited to go um, into this. Ben, my husband, he challenged me uh, to come up with an original cocktail for this episode, Woo! but I, just, I no. didn't. Like, I, I was like, oh, I don't know. There's just so many good cocktails. You should tell him to do it to support. I you. should have. I should okay. have. But I did not.
0: We're gonna do one anyway, um, and we're gonna put it on the website.
1: Yes, we should do that. We'll come up with something, Ben. All right, that you can drink whilst yeah. you listen. <laughs> um. But yeah. So we have been putting. Um. We've been mixing things with alcohol for a long time. Most notably, shrubs, which is like um um kind of a, a concentration plant. of um, fruit fruity flavor mm-hmm. or plants like a shrub um liquid and uh or bitters um most notably bitters people used to t- uh, take or drink in the morning as sort of a tonic to help me get through the day
0: oh man bring so- that back <laughs> I'm all so for bitters
1: that. uh were often a thing that people were um possibly mixing with liquor as well. And so those are the, really the stepping stones in the cocktail origin story. Um, but recipes, um, for cocktails and the definition of the cocktail arise in the 1800s, early 1800s in newspapers and, uh, like New York magazine, um, notably in the early 1800s, they had sort of defined what the cocktail was as basically, you know, mixing, um, um, ingredients and, you know, sort of had to, you had to have this knowledge of, you know, the craft or, or whatnot. But, um, Bars um, pretty much emerged from the origins of what I was talking about. Like, you know, you, if you have a seaport, you have a tavern, you know, you have those type of things. Um, uh, some historians also point to, though, they, they think that that notably, like, serving liquor might have evolved from a different source than, than ales. Because um, it could have just been that there were businesses that sold liquors. And then as maybe times got tough or say they were selling another... Item that didn't end up staying as popular in in human, you know what people were buying. That eventually they were they were basically like, oh, well, we're making the most money selling this liquor, so let's just only do that. And then they would set up like a little um, on site. Consumption room where you might go and be like, oh, I'm actually going to serve this to you on site, and that could have been hmm. the origin. Um, but basically, by the late 18th century, so about the 1790s, they were started, They were starting to be featured in luxury hotels where there would just be like an actual Ooh. bar um, that was that existed to serve you alcohol.
0: Which is funny because hotel is exactly what you were talking about. It's a tavern. It's a place to stay mm-hmm. where you're impressing out-of-town mm-hmm. people. And you
1: didn't bring your liquor with you, so you <laughs> got to go to the bar to get it. Um, yes, and so that's about 1790. Uh, New York publishers um, then uh, in the late 1850s, they sort of shopped around a, um, and I didn't write down the name of the publisher, I'm sorry, but there is a specific publisher. They were specifically a how-to guides kind of company. And they sort of shopped around the idea of this cocktails book. It was called The Bartender's Guide or Complete Encyclopedia of Fancy Drinks.
0: Isn't that still a thing?
1: It's a very famous yeah, book. It's a yeah, okay. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, but it was not actually published until 62. They think that, that probably that shopping around process was – they really didn't know if um, if it was going to do well. Right. I, yeah. yeah. So at the time – so let's, let's go back to 1859 or so. Um, cocktail bars might be a thing in hotels or in big cities. Um it's starting to be, it's starting to become a thing, but really there's no reason that anyone, there's no reason for someone to make a cocktail at home.
0: Right. Cause it doesn't make sense for you to purchase that much liquor for yourself and mm-hmm. you know, you're it's not you're really traveling or, or right. Like, yeah. You,
1: Right. So so there's not really an industry. So so that's one of the reasons I think it might have taken a little while for them to actually publish this book because they were not quite sure if it w- if it was going to even have a market. Right. Like how to make a cocktail. Well, that's that's like, not relevant what? to someone whose job who, who's who's dealing with like, you know, l- trying to make their own, um, you know, fabric for clothing. Right. Or they but, just like, don't- like, I kind of have other things on my mind, you know.
0: Right, and that thing was being made in small batches. Everything was being made before the Industrial Revolution and before things started really booming and you could... Mm Afford to just buy a glass of something like y- you weren't making, you know, liquor in the small bottles we see today. They were probably making them, keeping them in the barrels, even. And it's not like you could mm-hmm. go, but go buy a small thing. Well, kind of- yeah, I think
1: you're thinking like really small, right? Like you, yeah, you, yeah. You would, you would, you could have a specific, like, yeah. a, they would put them in bottles, but people weren't necessarily buying, right? Those big Financially, you home. wouldn't
0: be able to yeah. afford that if you were yeah. like a four person home. And even if you had a couple of kids, like, they're not drinking. So why would you spend money on that it until
1: the Civil War? Ah, because in the north, it was a boom time. They were right. the industry. It was thriving and they were winning. And there, for all of the poverty and lack of resources in the south, people were spending so much money on booze in the north because they just had the money and it was a boom time. And so they, all of these bars started popping up and they all needed bartenders who bought this book and used it to (laughs) uh, learn drinks and so so literally it was published in 62 as and it's now a classic the bartender's guide or how to mix drinks that's its name now um and literally um became the standard for cocktails in america was the recipes in this book
0: that is so cool yeah yeah
1: Cool thing about oh. this book, too, is it was the um, author is Jerry Thomas, and he was formerly a principal bartender at the Metropolitan Hotel in New York, but he had spent about 10 years going around the country and collecting, working at different bars and collecting, like, what were things that people ordered in those bars and how did you make them,
0: Yeah, which is wow. super
1: cool. So it does have a history of kind of, you know, it, it's not just from a New York standpoint, too, but it's from other places in the country as well. That's cool.
0: So we're going to open my book of professions that I would have had if (laughs) I, I would love to go around traveling and trying different cocktails to see what recipes I could put in my book that people would then use for the rest of time.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I think that's still a very sticky concept of just like trying to find a, um, a collection of things that, that say something about, you know, what we drink and what we like and what Mm -hmm. we eat. As a country.
0: Yeah. So, oh, man. Um,
1: yeah. So, bartenders were the main audience for that book, but it has huge sticking power. So, it stayed around. And then, um, let's see if I have any other notes on him before I move on. Oh, oh. so, okay. Two more things about cocktails in America. The first publicly acclaimed bartender. So, like, when, you know, you start seeing someone profiled in a newspaper, right? Was in the 1820s and 30s. So, way, 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 way back. And he was getting notoriety at the City Hotel in New York, and it was Erasmus Willard. What so, a if name. you want to go back to earliest, oldest, most famous cocktail uh, bartender, yeah, Erasmus Will- uh, what Willard. What a name. Was his name! And then um, this is a quote from a book that I um, was reading specifically on drinking in America, and he he, um, <laughs> he noted drinking this is. In America. Super, super true. Uh, one great advantage of the cocktail from the owner bar owner's standpoint was that the harsh flavor of cheap liquor could be disguised by the other ingredients <laughs> in these candied drinks.
0: Yes. So, so,
1: so true. Right. Because if you're going to drink some cheap liquor, you better
0: not taste it. Put it
1: with something that's going to make you not taste that.
0: And I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. I'm yep, okay a time with you and a place. giving me cheap liquor so that I can drink a pretty drink. And so if you go to the bar be and you fine get the with it
1: well whiskey or the well tequila which just means like whatever they keep that's yeah their yeah. house whiskey mm-hmm. um if you're gonna get that then you might be pairing it with something to just so mask good. a little bit of the flavor which is awesome i love and that that is bars pubs taverns cocktails cocktail bars speakeasies that's great origins of
0: yeah uh which is gonna blend
1: Oh, I know it will. I mean, that's, 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 I, I, I went into more detail because of that, but you uh, can definitely.
0: Yep. I'm going to piggyback, um, on what you said about travelers. Mm -hmm. That is the, that is the big crossover. So really a lot of our origins have to do with traveling because as travel, as, as, as packs of people, and we've done origins that go back to like cavemen with like names and first names. Yeah. But as history progresses, the more people can can succeed and then travel, you're opening up trade and you're opening up a lot of other things, too.
1: And the spread of ideas, too, yes. which is the spread of like when one mm-hmm. weird thing becomes international. Yeah.
0: That's us as people, as human beings. We, we, we travel, we share. Um, but the big thing about that, like you mentioned, if you are away from your home you don't carry a backpack of just like all your cooking supplies, <laughs> right? You don't have, I mean, you might have a few, you know, provisions for the road, but that it's just that it's provisions. So you need a place to stay. You need a food to eat. Um, so that just, it, you just needed it. There was just, you had to. Yep. And so that is also where sort of the, the earliest restaurants came from as well. So you have bars and restaurants kind of there at the same time, which is where people needed to stay and, and get, get food. You know, mm-hmm. they needed to, to sit and so of course i i can't help it it's game of thrones for me i just see everybody in the little tavern it's the beer and it's or you know you just see medieval times you know, bring more beer like that's just what i picture in my head but i That
1: would, notion of like a beer house like yeah. a, just a, a big hall yeah where they have like you know Dancing long and... bar like a long um <laughs> table like long tables with benches yes. and you just piling and you yeah. get your slop for the day or, or like um ale
0: beauty the beast you, you break out in the song about how awesome gaston is <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that or, was not happening no but. i mean but every you break out in the song all the time but i think that's just like the um you know in movies yeah. and culture you're so merry you're so in um, fellowship
1: of the ring you know before they start yeah. out they're yes. in their little tavern and they're Having a merry time and they're singing. Exactly.
0: And it's representative culture. So, what I'm going to focus on to make sure I stay away from Boris is the concept of you go out, you sit down in a place, a waiter comes to you, takes you yeah. an order from a prefixed menu that a chef has put together for you. You pay a price. Yes, you I want food. to know
1: about that. When did that okay. become a thing?
0: So we're going to skip everything you just did. And we're actually yeah. going to come more recent in time. I'm Love not going to go into. Um, it's I, all the
1: same, by right. the way, is what I said, pretty much. Yeah, just think of it food instead.
0: Right. And also, um, China had restaurants as well, but they, didn't, they weren't called restaurants. They didn't blend into our culture. We're talking about American. I'm talking about I go to, down the street to an awesome Atlanta restaurant. Or IHOP. <laughs> you know, like it's the same Yes We won't get to fast food though um, Well but
1: I don't So my definition of fast food Is like There's a drive through I okay, consider yeah. IHOP To be a restaurant still Because oh it's It's a gray area be, be, Because it's <laughs> It's not very fast It's Some of them are true. very slow it's But true. I mean you But it's If you go in at IHOP You have to order food and you're, you're right You have to wait And you're served you're right. And you leave a tip And all that stuff So what
0: well, that's gonna be super funny When I tell you exactly Where restaurants come from Though and you're gonna <laughs> regret The IHOP <laughs> Calling it all right, so you want to guess actually where the concept of a true restaurant comes from?
1: Like French cooking, or oh, something yeah.
0: fancy. Yep. Is the, it French? Yep. France. I'm I'm in France. We're in France. Put your berets on. Let's go to France. Let's go to France. Let's Grab a baguette. We're gonna stay in, in France. A bottle of wine and yep. some cheese. Here's here. Buckle up. We're we're in France. I'm um, excited that
1: I guessed right because I had no knowledge. That was just based on I think they're that definitely the, the yeah.
0: fanciest. So. Side note about why this is so exciting for me is that my boyfriend and I, I wouldn't say that we're foodies, but we enjoy, we really enjoy the passion of a chef. Like you go to a place Mm
1: They it's have, an art they have yeah.
0: thoughtfully prepared a meal for you um uh, and we watch a lot of mo- like chef movies and we watch a just ridiculous amount of top chef i mean we've seen every second of it <laughs> I mean, it is like absurd you like what you like i you know it's it's just that guilty pleasure and you guys are both of, i think you
1: guys are both good cooks and you like to why, put something together and yes um we've so so a side note about olivia side, and, side, side note. and adrian <laughs> so many side notes is that uh they are definitely like if we're gonna have a thing, they're like, Oh, we'll host it. <laughs> they can't just like prepare food. It's like gotta be a specific theme or they're yeah, they're gonna do. do a whole menu for you. They just do. That's just not I think if I have people over I'm like, Well, here's some wings and (laughs) here's some pimento cheese and they'll be like no here's the items that we have you know they're 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 legit about it we
0: do it up and i mean adrian is um was raised in spain so he and his family they didn't grow up on chicken nuggets like i did like i grew up on chicken nuggets and hot dogs he grew up and his dad's like you're eating what i'm eating like Mm -hmm. if i'm eating wine and cheese you're having wine and And it's just like it's just (laughs) it's just
1: relishing a very good piece of cold mm-hmm. cut meat. Or like, you exactly. know, if you think about Spanish, you know, you think about meats and cheeses and it's mm-hmm. like cold plates or tapas or things mm-hmm. that are smaller and right. they're just delicious.
0: So it's a passion and it's something that we just super appreciate and I, I love and we that's what we do for our anniversaries and for birthdays we go out to a nice I mean, nice dinner—not like you know, super fine dining—but we'll spend a couple hundred well, bucks. There's some places on... you
1: can go here. Oh yeah, that
0: will... but where did that come from? Um, it did come from France. And what's funny about that is when you watch cooking shows, it's always either French cuisine or Italian cuisine, and, and, and French tends to be like the the big the big one. You know, mm-hmm. Ratatouille. He's France, and it's all mm-hmm. Paris, and that's the heart of good food. And there's a reason for that. I didn't realize. I thought that was just sort of a oh, it's just a French. But no, it's because that's literally the modern birthplace. Of, of the this restaurant, concept. That's so cool. I'm about to blow your mind. Restaurant is a French word. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's an American. It's just English. No, it's French. Restaurant comes from the word restaurant. Oh, God. I took French in high school. I don't know. R-E-S-T-A-U-R-E-R. And it literally refers to. I love that. Right? It's like that makes sense. It's obviously yeah. So it's um, the French word for they used to have this broth, like a bouillon, bouillon um mm-hmm. that they would drink and it would it literally translates to, to a food that brings you back to life, to be brought back restore restorative mm, yes. so it, it kind of refers to this broth and you'll see why when i kind of get into this that you, you would drink and you, oh you'd restore you would go to the restaurant to get this this thing to restore you just from france you're welcome so that's why it's funny that you're like oh i hop like it's totally a restaurant i guess uh, yeah it but still fits the it the does bill. i mean i'm just if, imagining like super fine cuisine and we're relating it back to stuffed french toast <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. so um yeah i'm gonna skip i have all these notes but like started as taverns and inns for travelers and we know all yeah. that all that so a little bit of a side story on that though is that most people until all of the traveling they actually hated eating outside of the home like, hmm. they like to be in their houses. Like I mean, if it was where. not
1: normal to you, you'd be like, this is stressful.
0: Right. You're like, oh, I don't want to go. This is not my norm. But that's mostly the upper class because they don't want to, like you said, they don't want to be seen out and about. So what they would do is hire a, tra- oh, God, T R A T T A. T O R I E trattori, mm-hmm. trattori. Yeah, trattori to come make their meals for them in a private home, which is basically a chef. So they were basically saying, "Hey, you're but they good were still to...
1: eating in their home. Yeah,
0: they were still taking it in like a salon or a dining area. They weren't really venturing outside of the home, which is really interesting because I think I would almost always and prefer that makes sense not as to... a
1: progression. Like, well, then they probably had someone else cleaning up their stuff after them, so it's mm-hmm. not like they were, yeah, doing a lot of work.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they were just sort of sitting. So it wasn't until the actual um, French Revolution where restaurants came because th- before, prior to that, the French were very oppressed. They weren't able to um, buy the meats that they wanted, the cheese that they wanted. It was all very, very heavily regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't fun. The food wasn't fun. It was very much so. You could, here's here's your rations. Here's what you get. Here's what the king says you can get. Um, and now we have a bit of controversy. Um, similar to the the email um, episode, email um, mail episode we had, I had a huge controversy on who was the inventor of. We have a controversy on who was the first person to open up a restaurant. They're around the same time, so okay. that's important to note. It's around the 1770s. This is kind of when it's really and to me that feels very recent. The it does the mm-hmm. 1700s. Um, the well, because
1: before 1800s. that they were eating in public houses.
0: Yes, and but that's only that's not the higher high high class yet. This no, is we're not quite mm-hmm. there yet so the original one is this guy named boulanger boulanger um b o u l a n g e r
1: i don't think you ever say the r at the end of french boulanger
0: words. right yeah. you yeah. just
1: you just don't even say the e you just sort of say boulange don't you yeah. I think the ER is literally silent. I think
0: it's acceptable in French to just skip half the letters. So I think it's just yep. blur. Not
1: only acceptable, it's the Very way inc- that you <laughs> pronounce it in. you A leper if you uh, are uh, <laughs> pronouncing the ER in French.
0: Um, so for about 200 years, we've all thought that this guy was the first one. So he here's this story. I'll tell you the story uh-huh. and I'll tell you what, what happened. So it is said that he had... Um, this restaurant that he opened up during the French revolution that the very end where he's like, no, my broth is the broth of the gods. And he said, he's come get it. It's this price. I will serve it to you. He's almost in defiance of he's the soup Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's like, here you go. I don't care if they tell me that I have to serve X, I'm serving Y. And it was said that he put some sort of um, meat in it. It was like an oxtail, I think, or something like that. And it was really good. Everybody was like, yes, Mm -hmm. but it was very illegal. Um, So everybody's like, you're amazing. You're our guy. We all love you. Um, However. Did he get murdered? Oh, my God. No. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? No. It would be a great story if he got murdered. I'm just thinking, like, they, Um, they came after him. They got him.
0: Well, not murdered, but did he ever even exist? So we, oh, have, shoot. Yeah, we have a girl enters the fold. Her name is Rebecca L. Spang. Um, she wrote this giant book that I was going to buy, but it it's like a textbook. Mm. It is big. It's a big old book. About restaurants? I should have rented it. It's called The Invention of the Restaurant in Paris and Modern Gastronomic Culture. It oh, is cool. literally this podcast about that. I bet if
1: you rented that book from the library, though, you'd probably find other things that you found um, interesting that could lead to other origins.
0: Yes. It's probably still worthwhile. But... Mrs. Spang, I looked at I looked at the preview of the book on Amazon, and it's like tight, tight texts. I mean, it's not doesn't it doesn't look like some of the books that we've bought recently, like Salt or um, The Billionaire's yeah. Vinegar, like I got, which yeah. are really um, approachable for the history. people's history. Yes,
1: the people's history. This
0: this looked like a textbook, and mm. I have a lot of books to read, and it, it was kind yeah. of like a not like something that I was like a great coffee table book. So
1: yeah, I would
0: implore you. Mrs. Spank to go maybe write it in a way that's a little easier for us to follow. Anyway, so (laughs) she actually said, no, I went to Paris. I went through all the archives. I I flipped through everything. I saw no record of this. You guys made that up. It's a wise tale.
1: So it's so, and I I mean, good on her. At least if she wrote a boring book, she did all the research (laughs) for it. So she went to France. Well,
0: yeah. But is it just is it just a myth oh people were pissed though like Pe- straight up urban people legend. were like no 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 no, no, no." well they're saying that it's just like oh you know a tale told and oh he had a sign that we can still see and she's like you don't know when that was me yeah so she in interviews there's a lot of interviews of her and she's like you know just because i didn't find anything doesn't mean it doesn't exist but i am saying that for all of you guys to herald him as the yeah. first restaurant owner,
1: well what she's saying is she can't cite sources to say that that's true right. like she can't put that in her book if she's gonna be a good
0: right like however historian she pitched somebody else Name rosé de chantoisseau oh i'm sure i nailed that that was awesome c-h-a-n-t-o-i-s-e-a-u Chantos, Chantos-
1: I can't see your notebook, so I'd, oh, I'd, I'd say sh- to I'm perfect.
0: Me, um, just like she, our audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she says he's in. it. She's like, no, he's it's very similar stories. He opened something up at the end, and, you know, at the end of French Revolution, where he was like, yeah, I'm selling this now. Mm-hmm. Here's your prices. Thanks. Bye. Um, so that's kind of her guy. It's almost like, oh, okay. So you're giving us another figurehead, even though everybody has has thought that this one guy. Was it for years? And what's funny about that is her book's kind of recent, and so most of the articles I found had Boulangé Boulangé um, cited as their source. And when I finally r- ran across her, in, like interview in her book, she was like, "No, no, no!" And I had to go back all of my articles and like see when they were written and see like you know did they take note of her controversy or her um, stake. And they didn't, or they were pre uh, yeah, her or they book. were pre her book yeah. So most people oh, that's say that's him. He's the one. He's the one that did that. Um, so it was really after the French Revolution that yeah. when they finally lifted, okay, now you guys can do whatever you want with food. They f- they just freaked out. They were like, yes, we can eat our own cheese. And
1: so finally, so you're saying that it was like inherently French that they wanted.
0: To yes. like
1: they they knew they had good stuff and they just didn't have access to it. So as soon as they did, they were like, "Yes, we're going to lean yes. into this."
0: They super appreciated good food. They super appreciated um, just pairings and putting things together. Um, so after that, restaurants just boomed. They started just popping up everywhere because people were like, "Finally, we can go and appreciate these foods." And of course, they escalated to the point where now these chefs were were were, were becoming part of them. The chefs that were pre- yeah. previously in and the and it could become a
1: career. Yes, um, and I'm going to get to yeah. um,
0: to that. So that's really cool. So the, also, that's the, awesome. Yeah, it's it just feels like uh, wonderful to know yeah. that I'm participating. Like when I go to a restaurant, it is it is a celebration of being able to access food. Mm-hmm. Like it is awesome that I can go and have the freedom to do that.
1: Yeah, because when you learn about the French Revolution, I don't think. I don't remember ever <laughs> yeah, learning they don't about the history. fact that they could now, you learn know, you about like their political freedom, which is very important too. But you're like, oh, but also like no one would let them buy the cheese that they wanted to buy. Now right. They, now yeah. they can.
0: Which, you know, if you love good food, I couldn't imagine being told to eat. The oh, same gosh. Raisin yeah. Bran no. Over and over and over again. So the menu, um, um, I wanted to also talk about a couple of highlights. So, waiters and waitresses are kind of an obvious one. Um, so, who was usually running the bars and taverns? Yeah. Who's the owner? And their family, it was like, hey, the wife's going to go serve you food or the kids. But when it came to restaurants, it was kind of similar before they started booming to the Mm -hmm. point where they did have to just hire people people. and would train them on the meals. Um, So more importantly, that's kind of where the menu came out of is that before a menu, you just have to remember what the chef was Was providing for that day. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a a privilege or an honor to be able to know it and come to the table. But they needed to sort of have a way to show that. So menus actually started as cartes. Parts, which is funny because it's kind of similar in Spanish, but it means map. So it's like a map of oh, the food. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. mm-hmm. There you go. Mm. But then it moved over to just menu, um, and it started off as like a newspaper type approach, where it was like the news, like here is what is serving here. Mm-hmm. But then so as you have that like a
1: menu of the day. Uh huh.
0: Mm-hmm. But as that kind of. Um, expanded they it moved into books whether you had like a book you would get you know cut. you we get little books now like a book of wine or a book of um oh yeah, yeah we're, we're ha- handed it's
1: bound somehow
0: yeah yeah we're handed those little you know bound. It's mostly like wine lists and stuff though. And Mm -hmm. usually that's like kind of my tell that's like a really bad restaurant. I was gonna say if I go to a restaurant and their
1: menu is a book, I'm I don't I'm not I'm I'm immediately suspicious (laughs) of your restaurant. You have too many items. Exactly.
0: But if you can imagine being oppressed for so long, it's a natural To just yeah. to get a book and be like, oh yeah. yes, I can order literally anything. That well, I and want. it could
1: have been if it truly was like you know you could order a, from an assortment of mm-hmm. twenty different meats or twenty right. different cheeses. I mean, exactly, it could have been a long list versus um, a curated exactly.
0: menu. But mm-hmm. then as culture, you know, it, it went from the newspaper to the book, and then finally they landed on the one single sheet that you usually get. It's just one beautiful sheet. Mm-hmm. It's done very thoughtfully. The chef's putting together his assort- his yeah, sort of, of items. So that is um, definitely really cool um chalkboards were kind of a big thing around this time so that's kind of cool too that chalkboards are still kind yeah. of yeah i mean cafes, i think but... restaurants
1: have done a good job of if i don't know if those were out of vogue for a while but they're back in they sort yeah of a well done menu yeah. of items or chalkboard Absolutely. or daily specials or things like that
0: so now i have a beautiful story about the first chef or the first celebrity chef not the first chef I think it would be almost impossible unless you were including those two to restaurant the first guys chef, yeah. right because they were guys cooking in homes like long before but this is like right. the first celebrity chef and now this is actually an NPR article written by Nicole Janowski Janowski uh, it's called How a Destitute Abandoned Parisian Boy Became the First Celebrity Chef. And it, it's a really great article. Um, I'd go read the whole thing, but I'll give you guys uh, some highlights. Please do. Um, so this is 1814, so it's just after, ap- not just after, but, you know, the, seven, the or the late 1700s or um, after the French Revolution and when the first restaurant right. and when all of that. So this is 1814, so.
1: Okay, so he's, an—he's. I was oh. going to ask you the time period of this Um Celebrity chef, but this is very old. He's right here. Yeah, yeah
0: he's right here oh, at, the, awesome. at the very cusp. His name is Marie Antoine Karim. So I guess I thought Marie Antoinette was a girl's name, but I think it's actually I think Marie was a guy's name. Started starting out, so he was Marie mm-hmm. Antoine Karim. Um, he started in a kitchen boy. He's a kitchen boy at a chop house in Paris in exchange for room and board, which I thought was really interesting because that's that's what we're what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is that most people would have room and board or they would um um start in these specific houses it wasn't like a restaurant yet it was like a bakery a chop house a yeah. brewery it wasn't really quite a all restaurant of them yet.
1: together yeah
0: by age 15 he had become an apprentice to a well-known pâtissier with a prosperous bakery nestled in paris's um one of most paris's most fashionable neighborhoods super cool um so then mm. around um well, that doesn't make any sense. So, around his um, teenage years, somebody challenges him to produce a full menu for his personal chateau, meaning his house. He wasn't quite, has, had his own restaurant yet. I took French. Oh. <laughs> I took French in high school. I when know it was what a rough. chateau is. That was really I mean, rough. Yeah, I mean
1: I, all I remember is you don't say the ERs. But.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> chateau. Uh, instructing him to do a couple things, which are really neat. Um, number one, uh, full menu local seasonal fruits and vegetables um and avoiding repeating a course for a whole year whoa yeah i know it's so cool um i love that concept because that's kind of what we do now like you go and you you're hoping that it's like it's local you know cuisine and you're hoping seasonally you you know yeah
1: yeah, you're just like well i'm i don't want to eat um What's the summer thing? Tomatoes Origins. anymore. Oh. I really want to eat uh,
0: beets. Pumpkins. Yeah. Put pumpkins and everything, please. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah. I love it when my restaurants have a different thing than I went to previously. If they're kind of trying out more. Yeah. have a few staples that so they're trying out different dishes. Yeah. It's like I go to the same place all the time. Like we go to Lady Bird all the time. Like I love that they always have a rotating. Yeah, they have different stuff. Brunch menu and good cocktails. Um, so he was super cool. And enter... Napoleon, Um, we talked about him in our last podcast. We did. Scarves and plaid. We
1: talked about him. (laughs)
0: Um, So he, apparently Napoleon didn't actually like dining or dining out or doing any of that stuff. He thought it was very frivolous. Um, Around this time, he says... Um, he's unimpressed with the decadence of the early 18th century cuisine but under pressure to entertain Paris's high society. Of so he's course, like,
1: everyone else likes it. Oh, so. Fine, I'll go be yeah. served
0: food. Thank you. Um, and even he was impressed with um, Marie Antoine Carême because he actually requested that he come cook for him. He also, um, Karem loved to do, um, he was one of the first modern chefs to focus on appearance and not just like the food. So now yeah, so we're the getting into, the plate yes, and he said, things. I mm-hmm. want order and taste. A well-displayed meal is enhanced 100% in my eyes. He wrote in a cookbook. Because he actually put together a few Oh, right, cookbooks. cookbooks. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably one of the first the ones to have The reverse
1: trend that. where you cook the things that they <laughs> serve in a restaurant at your home yeah. again.
0: So he was, um, all throughout his life, researched for his uh, for his cookbooks. And I have even more because this oh, is really like, cool. such a huge thing. So Kerem, um, he just was the epitome of fine French dining at the time. He did always these crazy dishes and clean dishes. And he just always integrated food, so it's really, really cool. Um, also, as he traveled, he was locked in... Um, or traveled, and it was in different parts. He was always locked in stifling galleys, and apparently he conceived four mother sauces, sauces that are still used today, and they are... I don't know how to pronounce any of them, but here we go. Bechamel, velu espagnol, and ayer
1: So the only one I know <laughs> of those is the bechamel, because that's a tr- that's a pretty... <laughs> Yeah, oft used
0: one. He was the creator of those four sauces. Um, He also perfected a souffle. Can Mm -hmm. you
1: um, back up to why he was in these?
0: So because he was such a celebrity chef, people were asking him to come all the time, and he oh, so he he was was traveling. Yeah, he he was was traveling. He was stuck um,
1: bored, and he didn't have um, not bored.
0: Um, What's he loved the kitchen so much. And fun fact, not this is I'm sorry, this is a sad fact. He died early. (laughs) Fun fact, (laughs) interesting fact. He died early because of lungs because he was because they didn't ventilate kitchens. Oh, right, that yeah. makes sense. Because mm-hmm. he was like, "No, my ditches will get cold if I ventilate the kitchen." Oh
1: my! So
0: kind of his fault too, but um, he insisted on never ventilating or oh, bringing air into his, his art. He, he it's, yeah, it's kind of romantic. Um, so he mm-hmm. was able to develop he developed all the stuff, and here's my kind of my last really big fun fact: he is the guy that created the chef's hat. Well, that's
1: delightful. Yes, that's- he.
0: He felt it. Because it's that, so iconic. Yes, he is the one that is officially the guy that like did the tall, tall hat. He
1: just started wearing well, a goofy thing
0: on his head. He preferred cleanliness. He believed that having your hair tucked away and white. He he thought that the appearance of white was just clean and orderly, it and is. that is what mm-hmm. food is supposed to be about in his Served eyes. Served on white linen. Um, Yeah, he also did like the other hats because, you know, the chef's hat is the tall one and then the sous chef has like the shorter one. Um, Yeah, it says the white clothing conveyed an image of cleanliness and in his realm, appearance was everything. Um, So yeah, he did a bunch of cookbooks as well, but he was kind of, he was the big, he's the big, a celebrity chef of this time and he was kind of yeah. the epitome of what was going on. He was starting to, to bring culinary aspects together. So when you go to a restaurant th- that started in France, it started where you would, um, revel in the fact that you had now had options. So it's, it's such a good, um, I like to have gratitude for that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's exciting that I can choose whatever I want and also get a cocktail with, it's, yeah, with it's my a, food. It's a luxury. And that's super cool.
1: Um, even thinking about chefs and and them being um noteworthy and popular and mm-hmm. well known in the community that it's actually you know some, it's a minor celebrity type of thing right. and right of course today we have reality TV shows and stuff that make them a lot more well-known but that mm-hmm. it's always been a thing where you can it, it's it's a, it's a form of art And right. so you are known for what you do
0: I have one more fun fact I lied this one's actually fun though <laughs> so the first restaurant in America I have that as well because oh, cool. of awesome. course all of us is happening and then we we came to america and all this stuff came to america as well so this is also kind of controversial um because everything is i mean unless you have like the written papers you know like how can you really say who was the first to open but um all of this was in the uh, 1826 and it's called it's still standing um the union oyster house in boston so boston because it makes sense that seems appropriate it comes right over so still standing so if you guys want to go
1: to the Union Oyster House.
0: Yeah, and I think they said that 1793 could be potentially, it was called um, Julian's Rest- Restaurateur from Jean-Baptiste Julian. But the, again, it's it's not, it's gone. And the concept
1: being that it was like a place that had a server, that had a menu, right. et cetera, versus just being a place where you would stop off in the night and right. eat whatever they mm-hmm. have cooked.
0: Exactly. So not still standing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of tough to say if it was the first or whatever. Yeah. But the, the one, the oldest still standing is the, the Union Oyster House. So everybody could go get oysters, oysters there. And then or just don't. To, yeah. To <laughs> casually like mention. Oh, yeah, that's right. I always forget you hate seafood. Um, I like fish. I don't like yeah. shellfish. That's right. It's all the shellfish.
1: I, I'll still eat. Fish. i love them
0: Fish. i actually Fish. really love all of it except recently on reddit there was this big thing circling about clams having eyes oh my god it's it just, messed with you it's etched in my brain they have weird little pointy eyes peeking out from under their shells and i didn't know they had eyes at all i thought it was just like the little i mean shrimp have eyes yeah but They're that's different gross. i think i know that shrimp have, yeah. and when you eat shrimp you don't eat their eyes all that stuff's plucked yeah. out it's t- just t- gross
1: to be clear i try and oyster and i try shrimp every year just to make sure i <laughs> yeah, still don't we, like them
0: we cooked shrimp at your we did do a grill out and i we're like let's go grill and yeah. adrian and i go and we make these like shrimp skewers and we we come over and i'm like oh i forgot just but shrimp. i ate oh, them God. didn't you i did, eat one you did you yeah. at least my one elk. and you were like this is fishy we you have know, the vegetables like meh yeah um so, so just to also comment this stuff was happening in china <laughs> the middle east and egypt as well but that's not what we what we wanted to talk about. We want to talk about what was happening in America and like what you do, our listeners. I mean, not that we don't have listeners in other countries, I guess we could, but <laughs> listening in another country, we really that. love you. Thanks. Right in. Yeah. Um, Cause like 1123 is the earliest date that I have for um a place in China where people would come to eat. But like, yeah. that's not even close to what we yeah.
1: do. Well, and that's the thing is when we were talking about the origins of this, it's not that we're, yes, we can go back to like the first person to ever do one specific thing, but honestly, we might then just be spending all of our time in China or Egypt, mm-hmm. like truly then, you know, but whereas we also want to really look at like, well, why do we go to a restaurant yeah. and get waited on it? I hop by a we lady who doesn't want to, sure kept, doesn't want to, to be why. there.
0: Yeah. That's, so we wanted to talk about that as yeah. well. So that was really fun. I enjoyed that little yeah. journey. That's up to, great. That, that, um, that was a great origin. Really enjoyed.
1: enjoyed oh that yeah. Whole thing. I think, um, I think that it's it's a really cool part of our past and it's something that is almost like so pervasive that we don't even think about it. But that's why we really wanted to dig into, you know, the yeah. concept of that's
0: why you go to going
1: and eating at another place.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> so enjoy your restaurants and your bars and we'll go see out you guys next time.
1: Have a great meal and enjoy a good cocktail.
0: Thanks guys. Bye.
1: This podcast was produced by Johnny Stubbs in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Visit us online at theoriginsofpodcast.com or to help us support this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theoriginsofpodcast.